Hello and welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute, episode number 24. Today I'm in discussion with Gianluca Laboria. Gianluca is a niche jazz guitar amp maker in northern Italy. Now, if you're interested in or don't know anything about uh, subjects such as tone woods or class D amplifiers, uh, or even why you would want to go around with a hammer hitting pieces of wood, well, this is definitely the podcast interview for you. Gianluca is an incredibly talented man, creating the most beautiful amplifiers I think I've seen in many a year, and they sound as beautiful as they look. So it's a really quite technical interview this at times, but I found it utterly fascinating. If you want to know more about Gianluca and you're listening to this on iTunes, why not come over to the GMI website, which is www.guitarandmusicinstitute.com, where you can find out all about him, see videos, and a whole lot more, get a whole lot of web links. My name is Jed Brocky. It's great to have you listening with us today. I hope you enjoy this wonderful interview that's coming up. So without any further ado... It is episode number 24. Well, Gianluca, it is fantastic to be talking with you today. Uh, the first podcast of 2018, and it's with someone all the way from Italy. How are you today? Hello, good morning. Fine, thank you. I'm very happy to make this interview. It's the first interview of my life in English, so I am very proud of this, and thank you for that. Now, folks, you'll be listening to Gianluca, and uh, he says his English isn't very good, but believe you me, his English is absolutely fantastic. So uh, probably better than my English, if you know what I mean. So it's uh, Gianluca Laboria. Have I got that right, Gianluca? Yeah, it's correct. And you are the owner, director, the tea maker, coffee maker, I should be saying for Italy, of GLB Sound, is that correct? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and, and everything, everything. the CEO, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and the cleaning man. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Now, I came across your business on the internet, and I was just stunned by the sheer beauty of the amplification that you create. And when I listened to the videos and watched how you make them, I just thought, I've got to talk to this guy. He's a total artist. It is a thing of rare beauty. And there's a couple of things within that that I want to talk to you about. What's your background? How do you get to become a, a maker of amplification? It's a, it's a strange thing because I'm not an engineer. And so everything I learn and I know is what I've learned from books and from experience. Just put the hand inside the, the problems and try to solve them. This is the what, what I do. I made this with uh, wood and I start uh, with some small woodworking. Then I try to make something more difficult and so on. And the same happened with the electronics. So just trying, learning, reading a lot, and then retry 
So it's the classical try and error yes. method. Noth nothing more than this. But there is one thing that I, I think is uh, very important to make something different or to make something personal is uh, to think of what you want to do and what, which is the aim you need to achieve. So if you have straight in front of you the aim you need to achieve, you will find all the roads possible to get it. This is my point of view. Very positive point of view. What, 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 one thing that strikes me, Gianluca, is, yet again, here we have an a, a, a Italian company and the design is so beautiful. What Italy's known for great design. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, it's a, I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's just cultural. It's just inside, uh, inside Italian people, for the most part of Italian people, of course. And like is uh, inside German people, the ability to be uh, so, so able to manage, ordinate, uh, ready to manage everything. Everything must be settled. In Italy, we we are not so so able to manage things, but we are more artistics. Does that mean that the Swiss people are the greatest people in the world because they're in between? Germany yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. It could be. It could be. I know. I know a few few people, and I think that they are. But talking about Italy, Italy is is that is what you know from Italy is what Italy is. So design is a part of our culture and uh, I love design. I studied design and the, what you see from the website and from the products is just the, the result of uh, my ideas of design. I wanted to find something different, something uh, more European and more linked to beauty to home to something like that because i think that uh, the amplifier is uh, the most important thing in the way of player have to um express themselves yeah express themselves because you know people all the players i spoke with uh, think that uh, the most important part of the instrument is the guitar and it's true if if the instrument is just the thing that you put in your body, so you're playing with the instrument, with the guitar, and you feel the instrument. So this is the sound you you perceive. But people are not perceiving what you are perceiving while you are playing. Are perceiving the sound who came from the amplifier. So if you have a wonderful amplifier and a cheap guitar, maybe you will get a good sound. But if you have a wonderful guitar and a very cheap amplifier, you will lose everything. So I think that amplifier is more important than what people are used to think. Gianluca, can I ask you a sort of philosophical question in a musical context? Yeah. Do, what's your take then? Do you think amplifiers should come shrink-wrapped with their own sound? Or are amplifiers merely there to truthfully uh, mirror the sound that is actually happening? To me, the the answer is the second one. Amplifier has just 
one aim. It must to take the sound of the guitar, of the violin, of everything you put inside, and amplify the sound. It doesn't have to change the sound. It's just to amplify the sound. That is a very different thing. Because if, you if you're thinking that amplifier is the focus of the sound, is what creates the sound, then you don't need a guitar. You can play with an harp. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It is just to amplify the sound. And this is what happens with the, with the hi-fi, the high fidelity in at home. When you are listening to your best CD or the vinyl you prefer and so on, you want to hear what the artist wants to transmit to you, the, his ideal sound, not the ideal sound you're perceiving from the hi-fi. Uh, this is absolutely. my point of view. And one of the great things I uh, noticed in the GLB and a real attraction to someone like me is that there are only two buttons or two knobs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not the sort of guy who likes to have an amplifier with 101 sort of buttons and knobs and all the rest of it, because I know I'll never use them. And mm. what, what made you come to that um, design, electronic design decision? Yeah, I think that there are two answers. First, that is, the first one is linked to the process the process of making the amplifier. So while I was designing the amplifier, I had one idea. And the second one is linked to uh, the feedback I had from players, and in particular from jazz players. Um, the most of them are, are referring to me that they want to have a lot of knobs for just one reason. They don't know how to use them. So they just want to have the guitar, the cable, the amplifier with on off and volume. So then I decided to put the tone because to me it was too extreme <laughs> have just the volume. <laughs> but this is the feedback I had. Yes, and that is very interesting. It's like it doesn't matter where you live in the world. You might live in darkest Ar Africa, but if you play <laughs> jazz guitar, that's the sort of thing you'll say. I just want one knob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that. It's really like that. And <laughs> And so it matches perfectly with my philosophy that um, I need to make an amplifier who just need to amplify the sound. So if, he, if the amplifier has just to amplify the sound, you don't need too many knobs. So why did you add the tone and <laughs> why didn't you just have it on off? That would have been perfect. Just on yeah. off. <laughs> on off. Because the volume, you have the volume on the guitar. <laughs> so did you, don't did you feel much. you wouldn't be able to charge as much if it just was on, off? Because <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, one of the reasons that there are so many knobs and buttons and options is to give perceived value to something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's clear. But to me, it's not important quantity. It's important quality. So I don't want to have one... Uh, for example, I don't want to buy a, an object who has 225 things if I, I need to use one. If I have to make a phone call, I need that the phone make the phone call. Nothing more than this. If the phone call is able to make a coffee, it's not interesting for me because I need to make a phone call. 
another coffee. <laughs> Actually, that's a good idea. Write that one down. Right, okay. So, <laughs> so um, Tonewoods. Let's talk about Tonewoods because that's a big part of your whole philosophy. Now, I've got to say that I looked at the video of you making an amplifier and was thought amazing, absolutely stunning. I looked at the aesthetically, the, the amplifiers look amazing and they sound, most importantly, they sound fantastic. But when you start getting into areas like tone woods, mm. I, I don't know how many musicians really know what makes a good wood or a bad wood, or maybe it's just me, but I, I'm only interested in playing the guitar, putting it in, turning it on and, and expressing myself. How yeah. how do people get the sort of advice they would need to give you an informed choice about what sort of wood they should have the amplifier made from? Uh, I think that this is part of a bigger plan because to me, um, a player or just, let's see a player, uh, need to know what a guitar is, how it's made, in order to understand how to use them in the best way. So if you need to play rock, you need to know which are the features you need to have on your guitar. So starting from this point of view, I think that wood is uh, one of the most important things in a, a guitar and in an instrument. Then I will switch to amplifiers, but I will, start, I will stay on instrument now. Uh, if a guitar is made of wood strings and few other things, there is one reason. So wood is the core of the instrument. And if you need to play something and you need to have a specific sound, you need to know that you have to achieve this sound with this combination of wood, this shape of guitar, this... Uh, type of bracing and a lot of things. Cores are the most important things in luthery. Otherwise, you don't know what you have to buy. So, tone wood is important for an instrument. And all people are saying that tone wood is important just for guitars who are acoustics, who are arch tops, and that solid body doesn't doesn't need the 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 wood. This is not true. Wood is always working, even in a solid body. If you think that the magnetic pickup is uh, is capturing the, the the potential difference caused by the the string who is moving, uh, you have to think that the string is moving in a condition, and the condition is the wood, the neck and the entire guitar. If the same pickup with the same strings, same shape, is made in a different material, let's say aluminium, it will sound different. So, wood is working with the entire environment. Let's say like, like that. This is the basic statement. Basic statement. Yeah, basic statement. So if uh, you put that into your mind, immediately you understand that if it works for a guitar, then it has to work even for an amplifier. Because amplifier and guitar, 
are the same thing, are an instrument. Let's let's say guitar is a piece of wood, of tone wood, with some strings who are vibrating and are and the wood is vibrating too. Think of the amplifier and speaker. The speaker are the strings who are moving and let the the amplifier vibrating. So for the same reason, an amplifier and the guitar is the same. And this is the the thing that I thought using uh, the the wood. So why not using something that is resonating and maybe is helping the sound instead of using something who is dead, like a chip, like a, um, plywood, like something like that, this type of material. So, do, so are you saying that, that most of the high-end, not high-end, but mass-produced amplifiers out there from hmm? certain companies just use chipboard or plywood? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's that's how they can be costed at such low prices. I think that there are two points. First, there is a, a problem of pricing. Wood costs a lot more than chipboard and a lot more than plywood. The second thing is that make an amplifier using tone wood is a way more difficult because in a mass production, you can't control that the wood is always fine, is always resonating, is uh, always the best wood to use. And, and this is the biggest problem for companies, for big companies, because they can't control the production. I can do it because I'm making it one by one, one amplifier by one. So I, like you have seen in the video, I just choose every single board. I try to listen to them and trying to understand how it is sounding and uh, uh, what the wood is telling me. So, Gianluca, you know, you see when you're hitting it with that hammer, what's that all about? What are you listening for? Yeah. You, or or is, the is, same. That, is that just something you like doing? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, the, <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way I, I decided to use. I found... Uh, uh, the, the best way to listen to the wood. Because if you are listening to a top of a guitar, it's a small piece of wood. And if you know how to hold this piece of wood, you will knock with your hand. And then it sounds and you perceive uh, some harmonics or you don't perceive harmonics. This is the difference between tone wood and just wood. So you're, you're listening out for harmonics from the actual hitting of the yeah. wood? Yeah. I, I use the hammer because the board is big and it weighs a lot of a lot of kilos, so I can't hold them in my hand and then knock it with my hand. So, so, so do you always walk around with a hammer in your back pocket? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and people usually say to me, "But uh, what are you doing with the hammer and the wood?" And I always say, "I have to listen to the wood," <laughs> and then. And then they look at me very <laughs> strange, in a strange way, walking behind and say, okay, man, let's do what you have to do. I need to do anything else. Do, but do, do, you know that, do you know that story about Beethoven? I don't know if it's true, but when he went completely deaf, he sawed the legs off his piano 
and was had the piano on the floor and was banging the piano keys and trying to hear the harmonics and the resonance of the floor. I, I don't know, but but maybe there is something strange on on percussion the materials. Uh, it's like a <laughs> it's a game I used to play when I was young, just to knock on everything and try to listen how it's sounding. Yeah, but um, the thing is, Beethoven had syphilis, <laughs> congenital syphilis. <laughs> so anyway, you're banging that wood. Yeah. Anyway, I'm banging the wood to hear their mornings. Luthiers are doing the same thing. Is nothing more, nothing less than what Luthiers are doing, and this is why. In, in the brand is written GLB sound and then amplification luthery. Because it's a match of luthery and amplification. You've already said, and, and I know because I, I, I never built anything in my life. I couldn't even build a vegetable rack when I, when I was in my 20s. And then when I got into my late 30s, I built a house extension. <laughs> And I know how expensive wood is. Are you saying that if you have a piece of wood that doesn't have the correct harmonic response, you'll throw it out despite its cost? Yeah, there is a there is a problem with that because there there is never a match between cost and harmonics. Because the the reason is easy to to understand because. The wood is not made just for instruments. For the most part, the wood is used, is used to make furniture, for make doors, for make everything, but not for acoustics features. So the, for the most time, uh, wood has a cost linked to the mass production. So this is, this is the link, it's very easy. And the only thing you have to do is first go uh, to some lumbers who are experts of tone woods. Or the second thing that you have to do, and the thing that I do, is just look for woods who are sounding. And the only there you have one solution, just knock it and listen to them. Board by board. A couple of things. Do you know about Claudio Pagelli? Yeah. Yeah, I've actually Friend. got one of his um, guitars. Not not an actual Pagelli guitar, because that costs uh, quite a bit. But I've got an Eastman Pagelli. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was reading up about what he was saying. He, he goes to the Black Forest, doesn't he? He actually go, he picks the wood from the forest. I, I wonder... Because you're talking about lumber yards where you can get tone woods. There can't be many of those in the world, are there? No, no, it's correct. There are there aren't many of those. But there are and some. Cla yeah, there are some. There are some. And Claudio is really making these things. He is very is I don't know if he's correct in English, is maniac or maniac. A maniac of yeah. maniac of uh, of woods. He is amazing. He has a he has the ability to listen to the hood who is uh, coming from another world, and this is experience. He's forty years with 
just making guitars and is making one of the most beautiful guitars in in the world is 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 an artist is an artist and he knows perfectly that to make a astonishing guitar he has to be clever and he has to control every single piece of wood and every process is making for the guitar so if he has to make the bridge he will make the bridge in his way because he learned how to make the bridge for the guitar so this is experience i thought that there would be a fantastic tie-up because i've long been an admirer of claudio pagelli in his work and as soon as i saw your ramps i made a linkage in my mind between claudio pagelli's guitars and your ramps yeah <laughs> yeah there is a a, a link because i know claudio very well and Claudio has one of my hands in his workshop. Good. Because he he loves these uh, these hands, and uh, this is the link. So there is a little a, a link. We we met each other and we find uh, something in common. So I don't know, but let's see. Yeah, let's see. Let's hope. Maybe. Um, well, anyway, yeah. You you'll deal with it the way you want to deal with. Now, something I wanted to ask you about was moisture. Yeah, you know when you get the wood and all. Now Yamaha, Yamaha, sorry to say that name, uh, have this um thing where they 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 take the they take the wood and they put it through a process where they dry it out, and they call yeah. it an aging process. But they do it on these massive machines. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about that whole? How long do you have to keep wood before you can use it, and is how much moisture is a problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are two ways. Drying the wood or seasoning the wood. No other solutions. Drying the wood is the cheaper way of uh, take out the humidity from the wood. That's it. There are big machines with a lot of pressure and a lot of heat that are pushing the, the water outside the wood. This is the process. Then the wood is dried. The second process is a, a longer process and more more expensive who is the process of seasoning the wood it means that after you've cut the wood and made the boards you have just to put them in a in a proper condition so not under the rain and not under the sun but um, you need to put the wood on the hair so air must pass through the wood and in a lot of years, 10, 15, 20, 50, 60, 70, maybe 100 here, you will have a, a seasonal wood. I can, I can see a, sl- a slight problem for you in, in that, though. Uh, you're not, unless you're an eternal life guy, you, <laughs> you don't have 100 years to wait for your first batch of wood. So how did it get started? Ex- exactly. The fact is you have to find wood who is seasoned. So you have to ask for the certificate of when the wood was uh, cut and then when they start to season in the wood. After that, you can be sure that the wood is old and is seasoned. And this is the process that I make. I look for this type of woods. And when I find them, then I try to listen to them. And you can hear a lot of difference in sound. 
really a lot of difference. Gianluca, that must have been... How long have you been doing this? Because that must have been a very scary moment when you bought your first batch of wood. <laughs> you're thinking, yeah, this is the one. Yeah, I, I started doing this more or less four years ago. And uh, I started with a very old batch of wood. It was maple. It was maple and it, it came in from, from the east of Europe, from Balkans. And uh, the date over the batch was 1976. Wow. So very old. And <laughs> the reason is easy to explain. They forgot about this wood. Oh, <laughs> Simply right. forget to have this wood. It was behind, behind and behind the other, other birds. And so I started with, with this wood because uh, I, I understood immediately reading from books and speaking with luthiers that seasoned wood has a different sound than dried wood. There is a physical uh, thing that happens to wood when they are dried out that I don't think I'm able to explain it in English, <laughs> but <laughs> I will try to do it. Are you talking about warping? No, 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 no. It's just uh, because wood, you have to imagine wood like um, a board with some holes inside. And in these holes is uh, where uh, the, the, the food of the wood is passing. Okay, so when he's alive. When he's dead and he's dried, the pressure is... Uh, pulling the water outside this, uh, these, these holes. And because of the pressure, these holes are stressed and they are not vibrating. Right. This, this is what happens. It, it's not exactly like that, but I don't have any other idea of how to explain this. And in the seasoning process, uh, water just go out naturally, without any pressure. It's just time who is making this process ready. So it's, that's it. it. It reminds me a lot of, um, you know, one of the big exports from Scotland is whiskey. And it takes a long time to, to make a good whiskey. You know, it just doesn't happen. It, they pass it father to son, father to son, or daughter now, you know. Uh, and uh, because... You might be making starting out making your whiskey now, and it won't be mature for fifteen years or something. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. But if you think that the best thing in the world need to have time to develop, to grow. That's what I keep telling myself, Gianluca. That's what I keep telling myself. I just need more <laughs> time, you know. <laughs> so you know something that's really impressive about the amps, and I suppose it's it's quite a a very instinctive thing, this, and a very intrinsic level is the thickness of the wood makes it yeah. look sturdy and strong. Um, how did you come to decide how thick the walls of the cabinet should be? Yeah, good question. There is, um, first of all, the frontal thing you are seeing is just the frame. It's not the thickness of the wood. Otherwise, you won't be able to leave or to bring it somewhere. It's beep, too beep, heavy. Beep, beep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. No, it's just a frame. 
the the thickness uh, that is written in the website is 22 millimeters. Okay. That's something less than one inch. Yeah. And uh, thickness is important, like is important in lute in lutery, uh, for the vibration. You have to think that we are using a speaker who has a lot of power, a lot of more more power than the the strings. So we need to have a stronger structure who need to vibrate, but not too much. So even in this case, the only solution is to try with different thickness, uh, with the same dimension inside of the cabinet. So keeping same speaker, same dimension, and uh, different thickness, you will hear a difference of sound. You see, on the speaker... Do you buy those in or do you make them yourselves? No, no, no. I buy a speaker. I buy a speaker from Jensen. And and what what made you decide, how do you go about that? Because there must be so many variables in terms of the sound you want and the thickness of the, the walls. And... Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of variables. And the variables are another reason why big factories are not making this type of... of uh, speaker cabinet and uh, if you have to choose a speaker and if you ever try to choose a speaker it is very difficult because you need to have uh, at least 10 different speakers you have to have in mind what sound you want to get and after that you have just to try and understand if one suit better if one is not sweeting like you think and this is the only process I know <laughs> is possible to make. So this is the process I try to to make. So I buy I bought a lot of speakers, put the speakers inside three three different cabinets with the same wood, so avoiding this variable. And I try to think of the result I wanted to achieve. And then I decided to use the speaker I'm using. I'm using a wonderful speaker of made by Jensen, who is a P12Q, who is an Alnico speaker. And uh, I love this speaker. I really love this speaker. It's very vintage, but it's wonderful. <laughs> and I can see you're in love with it. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love it. I love it. And then um, now I'm starting to use a new speaker made by Jensen who is a neodymium speaker. It's called, uh, the name is uh, Tornado Stealth. And is a, is a very good speaker and is very light. Because it's important for a guitar player, the weight. Absolutely. And, and, and this is something, when I was 18, I wanted to sound like Pat Metheny. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have a car. So what did I do? I bought... <laughs> a huge raft of pedals and I got a big amp head and I got two 4x12s and believe it or not I used to cart these on public transport <laughs> no really I, really it's it only lasted a couple of times it was utterly ridiculous <laughs> but you know now I want something that is very that sounds I only want the world I want something that sounds fantastic, or at least 
is a great representation, isn't getting in between me and the instrument, and I don't want it to be too heavy. And it, and it seems to me that speaker technology seems to be really starting to ramp up and moving ahead, especially in the times of, in, in the way of portable um, speaker yeah. technology. Would you agree with that, Gianluca? Is that just my witterings of an confused mind? I agree with the with the fact that we we are moving through something lighter, because people don't want to carry other things, and is even is even correct if you think about that. So um, a lot of builders are making amplifiers who are always lighter, always lighter, always lighter, and even the who is making speaker, for example, Jensen, who is making his new speaker, a 12-inch speaker for two kilos, is something unbelievable. So are these new uh, comp composite materials they're using to in, in the build that, that are lighter? Yeah, for, for, for the speaker, they're using neodymium, who is uh, re really light. This is, the, this is why they can get this weight, just changing the material. So you have ceramic, who is the heaviest. You have alnico. And then you have neodymium. Now neodymium is is uh, lighter. This is why they are able to have these speakers who are sounding very well, very well, and with just two kilos for a twelve inch, and at least one kilos and half, one kilos and four, for a ten inch speaker. Fantastic. And yeah, it's fantastic. So in this direction, I've I've made an amplifier. A small amplifier who is uh, is called Gig Ten, uh -huh. who is a smaller version of the Gig Fifty. That wasn't that wasn't an accurate size you were showing me, was it? <laughs> with your yeah. with your fingers. <laughs> accurate, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, folks. He, he actually, Gianluca, it was about three inches high, uh, about five <laughs> centimeters. No, it's a little bigger than that, right? <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> is a, a ten-inch uh, speaker inside. This is why this Gig. Can and um, it's very light because it's between seven and eight kilos, made in spruce, entirely made in spruce with a, a pre amplification made of tubes and the final, so the power stage made by is a class D, made by Bangan Holubsen. What's class D? Sorry, class D is a, a solid state. Okay. Solid state power output and uh, is made by Bengen Holfsen, who is one of the leaders yeah. of the sector. So I decided to use this power. This new amplifier is just presenting, just presented at the NAM show. And um, so, as you can see, I'm moving to something lighter because is the market who is asking for something lighter. What, so, what sort of output will it have? Yeah, it's. Um, it's similar to the Geek 50. It's very similar. Yeah, because the the Class D or the solid state, as you can you can call it, uh, are very powerful and very far. So it will have uh, 300 watts on 8 ohm. Wow. So it's very powerful. It's very powerful. But you need to have this power. You need to have this power because you are in Class D. You don't have to think of uh, the 50 watts of tubes, there are different ways, there are different measures. Am I right in thinking it's just you really behind this whole company, this amazing company? It's just it's, you are the company. Yeah, I, mean, I am. If you get knocked down by a bus tomorrow, 
heaven forbid, <laughs> there will be no GLB sound. No. I am I am the company. Behind me there is just the wall, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> so um do you ever have big arguments with the, the employees? No. Um no. <laughs> well, that brings a, a, an interesting thing because if you bring out something that's really popular, will that not affect sales of the things you already have? And how will you cope in terms of output should that become the way of it? Or are you just going to get rid of the hammers and buy one of those huge machines to soak <laughs> the water out of the wood? No, like like everything, you have to make a choice. Yeah. I have to make a choice and I, I made a choice. So I have everything inside my place here in my studio is designed to work with just one person, me, and with other person. So if I need to to create something something more or to have a bigger output, I can have it. Because everything is designed to work with at least four people. Wow. So so I'm not I have no problem to upgrade the output. But you know, is step by step. Where where are you based, Gianluca? We're about in Italy. It's the north, isn't it? Yeah, in the northeast. I'm close to Venice. All oh, right, okay. Close to Venice. So every every everyone can come to Italy and and see Venice because it was wonderful. One of my sons has been to Venice, I haven't. Is it true it's really smelly? Yeah, a bit, a bit. And and is it also true it's not going to be there for much longer? <laughs> well, there are, I, I don't know how many years who are, who are saying that Venice have to die or stuff like that, but it's still there. And, and you know, there is water in some times, there are some problems, but I think that is not our problem of problem of our son of our son of our son. I don't know how many here, but at least one thousand here he will leave. Well, that's uh, you heard it here first, folks. That certainly is confident and optimistic. But he's an <laughs> optimistic guy. So, what do you see? Where, where I'm assuming that the jazz fraternity have taken to your amps big time. My only problem with that is that there's not that many of us compared to the world of guitar players, or does that suit you? Yeah, and it's a niche. Jazz is a niche. It's a niche inside the niche of the amplifier boutique, inside the niche of the guitar instrument, inside the niche of the music player. It's, so very... <laughs> it's very small. It's very, very small. But... Um, everything is linked to my dimension and to the fact that I'm alone making this. I can't afford the afford the uh, the rock and the pop market. I don't have uh, money to do that because you need to have a lot of money to face companies like Mesa Boogie, like uh, Fender, like Marshall, like Orange. There are a lot of companies who are too big to compete with them. So I I decided to make something for a niche. And for a niche I love, because I love jazz, I studied jazz, and uh, I, I love this music. So I just started thinking, why do I, I need to face company who are 10,000 million way bigger than me? 
just I want to do what I want to do. So I decided to work with jazz, with jazz player who I like jazz player because are are players who are, are different from pop rock players who are very linked to appearance for what appears of in is a person and so jazz is different. Amplifiers for jazz are different because jazz players are different and is um, it's very important that jazz player stays different from other players because jazz is one of the genre to me who are uh, who has his own identity and who is able to survive in the future if you if you see the the scenario of uh, of music you see that the rock is is almost dying you you are saying that Okay, I'm a rock player. Well, Jimmy Page is a rock player in the 70s, in the 60s, but now you're not a rock player. You are a pop player who, are tra- who is trying to make a rock, but it's different. Just players are different because they are linked to a period, and um, this type of music is continuing to grow. Keep in mind that it has um, a strong, uh, it is very radicated. I don't know if it's correct, but is a. Uh, you mean rooted? Rooted, rooted. Is rooted in, uh, in, in, a period, in, the in a tradition, in a culture. So I, I started to work with jazz for these two reasons because it's a niche and I want to be the leader of a niche. Not the the last of the biggest market in the world. This is my point of view. Well, uh, for what it's worth, I think uh, you're making a, an amazingly strong statement. And the final question is: How how many amps can you actually produce in a month? In a month, I actually with this structure, I will be able to create at least ten, twelve wow. amplifiers. Wow. Nothing more than this. Yes. Otherwise, I have to switch to a different dimension. Yes. Actually, with with my hand, this is my my output now. And I've noticed that um, although you do have dealers in various countries, um, yeah. a lot of them don't have the amps that you've got there, or they've only got some. Is is that just a case of getting the amps out to them? Uh, yeah. The fact is. Um, Retailers, dealers, has um, some needs who not always match the need of a small company like mine. So what I'm doing, I'm working very well with the dealers you can find on the website because they match my way of think. They are in love with the product. They believe in this in this product, and they are able to sell these products. But and it's not possible for every dealer to have five different amplifiers inside. It's, it's just a matter of dimension. It's just a matter of cost. It's just a matter of investment for them. And they know, they know that uh, if, uh, if they have more amplifier, they will sell more amplifier. But they have to invest a lot of money. So... Uh, there is always a balance in things. I believe in that. And in this moment, 
for all the dealers I have in Europe, in the United States, and in Japan, there is a balance. There are dealers who have more pieces. There are dealers who have just one. There are dealers who have two. And for all the things who are really custom, so if you want to have an amplifier who is yellow, for example, uh, you just need to ask and I will make it. it does, the, does the customization cost more? There is a standard who is made of, uh, for example, let's take an example, Geek50, who has two models with FS and R, so with or without the reverb, and you can choose it in two formats, who is a helpless cabinet or combo. For this product, you have a standard model who is made of uh, sapele or maple, you have to choose, and you can choose the color, who is uh, red, brown, or natural. And the handle and the frontal clothes is black. And even the leather cloth, the leather cloth is uh, black. This is a standard and has a price. Then you can add everything you want. For example, if you want to have a maple who is yellow, I can paint it in yellow, but it costs a little bit more. Or if you want to switch to another wood who is more expensive, for example, pure wood, who, who is more expensive, you have just to you have just to add the price of the pure wood. This is how it works. Like uh, it happens the same with the guitar companies. For example, if you take a Collins guitar and you want to to buy one Collins with something different. Like uh, instead of having a spruce top, you want to have a sapele top, you have to pay something more in addition. So this is how it works. So Gianluca, before I ask you to tell me if there's anything else you'd like to say that I've missed out, there's one thing that really bugs me about amplifiers through the years, and that is handles. The handles are always made to come off. Now, it may be that I'm just heavy-handed with handles, I don't know how many amplifiers I've had where the handle has actually come away. The only one that never did that was an AER, but I didn't like the sound of the AER, believe it or not, because I felt it was very compressed. What sort of handles do you have on your guitars, and, and have they been stress-tested to destruction? Yeah, I, I, handle is the question is interesting because handle is not easy to put inside the, the amplifier. Because amplifier has a weight with um, who is not too much, but is concentrated. And handle is the only things you have to lift the amplifier, so it's very important. For this reason, I'm using um, a handle who is made of leather outside. There is uh, aluminium inside. And uh, is, um, there is a system who blocks the handle from the inside. So if you lift the amplifier, the only thing who will happen is, is just that uh, you, you help the handle to be anchored to the amplifier. So the more you lift, the more you anchorate the, the, anchor, the handle. So, so there's the, the, the points at which the handle is joined to the amplifier, those are usually yeah. the weak points. You think you've come yeah. up with a system that... Yeah, the, the system is easy. If you have a screw from above, 
the the amplifier and there is something inside the amplifier who is hanging the the screw so if you lift the amplifier you're just lifting everything not just the handle so are not the screws who are uh, fixing the handle to the amplifier there is an entire system who is moving when you lift the amplifier so you won't break it Sounds interesting. Might need further attention by me. So, Gianluca, I really enjoy speaking with you. Is there anything you'd like to say that you feel I haven't covered or not covered well enough? I think that there is one important thing that we we don't have discussed about. That is the painting of the yeah. Because it is important because it's wood and it suffers for the same things of the guitar. So moisture. Is a problem for hood, and for this reason, the amplifiers are painted outside, as you can see, and inside in the same way. And second, the color you see is uh, uh, is in the wood, hmm. so is like an impregnation. Yes, this is very important because when you hit the amplifier, you won't see the real color of the wood, and for this reason, you won't see neither the white, um, the white hole that that you can see if you hit the guitar. Mm -hmm. This is very very important because, for the aesthetical part point of view, the amplifier is uh, on the floor, and on the floor there are more possibility to hit the amplifier. And if you hit the amplifier, you will scratch it, and it is not so beautiful to see again. So it's very, very important to me, this aspect of the, of the paint. Well, the, the, to me, they, they look stunning. I, I particularly like the brown one, I've got to be honest, the dark brown. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the most popular one there is out there. Well, thanks very much for joining me uh, in this podcast. We're uh, just at the end of January 2018 already, so... Hopefully that um, you're the first, sorry, the, the second of a huge amount of podcasts. But no matter how many podcasts I have this year, Gianluca, I don't think there'll be one that's any more interesting than this because it has been really fascinating talking to you about your life and the amplifiers and just your general ethos around design and sound. Thank you very much for taking part. Thank you very much, Jed. It's my pleasure you're making a, a wonderful job because there are a few people who are, who are making podcasts who are speaking directly with uh, customers who, with artists because I've seen other uh, I've listened to other podcasts with artists with uh, uh, companies and speaking is what we are missing now everything is written we, we think that we are speaking with people just because we are writing something on Facebook this is now speaking. This is so true. And on that bombshell, folks, goodbye.